and welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope that this message from our lead pastor, Graham Heslop, both empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Well, um, today we have uh, a very uh, exciting opportunity and um, we actually, today is, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Kingdom Investment Offering. And uh, we are going to transition now into uh, really hearing uh, the Word, to hearing what God's wanting to say today, but it's also going to be a set up for a moment for us to, to give. And I wanted just to take a moment today to explain a little bit. Pastor Graham's about to get up and he's going to share. And we're about to uh, receive the word from him today, which is going to be awesome. Um, but today is a is a big day for us. Today is uh, a moment where we get to part, be a part of the future of uh, our church. We get to be a part of the future of our church and uh, and a part of the next season. Um, the areas today that we are going to be talking about that we are going to be giving into these three key areas. Uh, those are outreach, um, community and church. So outreach, uh, what we're giving to, it's, it's our ability to reach beyond the four walls of our church, to be able to reach out into people's lives. To, to Our kingdom investment allows us to be able to hold moments and events where we can actually invite people in and believe to reach people for Jesus Christ, where we can set a, a stake in the ground to believe for salvation, for people to come into the Kingdom of God. It means that we're able to create moments like we can celebrate Easter in a big way. We can roll up out the red carpet for our Christmas events, which by the way, we started planning Christmas, December the 18th, marketing your calendar. It's gonna be an amazing, amazing time. Uh, we can run youth camps. We can get organised for things like um, a, a Christmas gift where we can directly impact people and uh, believe to bring some hope and change to their lives. When it comes to community, we're giving uh, funds and our kingdom investment towards initiatives that have been already running for so many years. Things like 24-7 Zimbabwe and Shine, missions uh, for uh, Zimbabwe and pastoral support for people that are over uh, in Zimbabwe. We also wanna find ways to continue to provide meals for people, to be able to feed people, potentially even to get into schools and to run what's called a breakfast club, something that we've been talking about, which I love the idea of is being able to set up teenagers to have a good day. Imagine if as a church, we could be a part of that. I love that we get to give today towards our church, towards towards church improvement, towards what's happening here in this space. We believe that we wanna continue to improve uh, the experience that people have when they come to our church. We have ideas and plans to keep making this place better so that we can honour the Kingdom more and so that we could be a place that people enjoy coming to. I know that we uh, always talk about the church, you know, it's not about a place, it's the people. But the people of a church need a place to go. Even you throw back to the very beginning, you read in Acts, the, the people that were together when the Holy Spirit first came on people, where were they? They were all together in one place. They were gathered together. They had to be in, I don't know where it was. We don't know where it was, the upper room, someone's house, some attic somewhere. But they had to be in a place. And I just love the idea that right today, we get to put our part into being, uh, growing, helping build this place. 
I don't know, there's so many stories, even from this week, where, where there's been encounters in this room, where people have found Jesus in this room, where lives have been changed in this room. And it's only because of the sacrifice of some, of a few, of people who were able to give to set this up. And today is another opportunity for us to do that, to sow a seed into the Kingdom of God and believe for God to grow it and build it and for it to be a blessing, not just for the church, but for so, so many people. And today, that's what we get to be a part of. Amen. Is anyone excited about that today? Come on. This church has done a lot, has 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 been a part of seeing so many people's lives change, worlds change, and today we all get to be a part of the future. What that looks like is right now in our hands, which is so exciting. But Pastor Graham's going to come, he's going to share, and uh, he's going to speak into this a little bit more. Should we put our hands together for him as he comes? Thank you, Jared. Actually, just while you're here, I do realise uh, we both look like we've broken out of prison. Uh, we do, we, it looks like a very interesting uh, situation. Prison uniform. And uh, it is good to be here. Thanks, Jared. Uh, welcome. How's everyone doing? Doing good? Yes. So good. Always quiet, eh, on a morning you're going to take an offering? <laughs> everyone, everyone's like, oh, we'll be enthusiastic next week or something. I, I don't think, uh, I, I mean, uh, our heart and our hope, even for those online, is that we understand there's a great heartbeat behind this as Jared's just explained some of the practical areas. I'm going to pray. And then what I want to do is uh, many of you would have already decided, uh, prayed, decided what it is in your heart you want to do. So, you know, our the goal here is not to try to convince you of something else. The whole way through, we've really been asking people to pray, ask God, because He knows what we need as a people and He knows what you can do. And you don't need people manipulating you. So, um, yeah. If anything, with money, like our church has sort of gone the other way. We don't, like, we try not to um, over talk about it. But I'm going to do the opposite this morning because you would have already decided, I imagine, in your heart what it is you want to invest into the kingdom of God. Uh, but I want to. Oh, there you go. We're going to buy a new microphone as well with that. <laughs> I want to bring about. Um, Probably what I think maybe sometimes is missing when we don't over-talk about it, which is make sure you've got a revelation in your heart of what actually God says about money. Did you know there's over 2,500 verses in the Bible about money and only 150 on hell? Yeah. So it has a lot to say about it because it actually can become a real hell for people. And uh, so we want to actually make it a heaven as we uh, offer ourselves to God. So let me pray. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your grace. So I just pray in the atmosphere right now there'd be joy, peace, righteousness. Pray for your kingdom to come. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you for what's about to happen. Thank you for the specialness of it. Lord, I pray for everyone. There'd be an openness just to hear you speak. Speak, Holy Spirit, I pray, this morning and build your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to... Basically going to tell you what the Word says about this area of our lives as we come to a place of um, sowing into the Kingdom of God. And I used a mechanism, a thought called Lent, not Lost. From from Matthew chapter 14, it says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of them onto the other side while He dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. 
buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. But they're saying, it's a ghost, uh, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water and he came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. He began to sink. And he reached out his hand and he said, Lord, save me. And Jesus, reaching out his hand, caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Truly you are the Son of God. This is one of the most unusual miracles uh, because really, if you think about it, there's really little point. I mean, like an afternoon of walking on the water, try and, try and understand the... What, what, I mean, Jesus was healing the sick. There's a reason, there's a point to that. Someone's sick. He brought, you know, change and made them well. Blind man was blind. Bring sight. There's a great point. You need, you know, sight's very helpful. Um, those who were lame literally couldn't walk. Jesus would come and touch their life and begin to walk, and it was amazing. But what is the point in walking on water? Of all the things that could have been written about in the Scripture, why? I mean, just stop for a minute and think about it. And if we were really to do it justice, we would want hours to analyse, to unpack, to study, to do the homework on digging around throughout the Scriptures to understand that God is the God who just loves to do things out of the box sometimes. In fact, there's some things he does in our lives that we're still trying to work out why, what was the reason. But he just blessed you that way. He just wanted to love you that way. He just saved you that way. He just came into your life out of nowhere that way. It, it, it's more actually that it reflects his nature, more than it does something that you really needed or wanted in that moment. And, and this wasn't a healing, but it certainly was a wonder. It was a sign. And wonders make you wonder. We learned that Jesus, through this miracle, is Lord over nature. And there's some good-looking people in the room. I'm just having a geese around us. Anyway, um, in a very platonic way. I mean it in an encouraging way. I don't mean it in a weird way, uh, although it's hard to always know. Uh, we saw that if you act on his word, you could step over what the natural order says. We found that if you stumble and fall, that he's there to pick you up. And so therefore, this miracle makes it so worth it. But there's a couple of details in every miracle, and there's one in this, a finer detail, which I think people seldomly consider. And that's what I really want us to know about, as you've already decided in your heart what to give, and even as we're talking, probably deciding. But I want you to know about God, and I want you to know about resource, and I want you to know about His kingdom, and even what we saw on Wednesday night, okay? Wednesday night was the birth of something brand new for our church. I cannot describe to you what happened in that room. I've been in thousands of meetings. No, no, hundreds, if not more than thousands, in the thousands uh, throughout my life. And I've never been in a meeting like that. But it is true. This, this, is the, this is what I want you to know. God's miracles always require vehicles. Yeah. <laughs> always. I've lived 43 years on this planet, and 43 years... As a general rule, I've discovered that most people would lend you a car. Some people would lend you a bike. Not an e-bike, that's out of the question now. Maybe a caravan. But I've found very, very few people who would ever be willing to lend you a boat. Um, there's a good reason because like, when it goes bad with boating, it goes deathly bad 
um, water in the boat and all sorts of things. I know, don't worry, I'm going somewhere, at least it's not a gym story, right? Um, we, before we had a boat, before we had a boat, um, I'd just use my, I grew up with a dad who had a boat, but then I married Rebecca and her dad had a boat, her dad and mum, and um, so I, we didn't have a boat until um, fairly recently. But when Beck and I married, I said to her, Flip, you should ask your dad if we can use his boat now because it was bigger, way better, way faster. And I grew up boating, so I was pretty excited about it. But I was way too fra- afraid to ask him. I just recently asked for his daughter's hand in marriage, and I'd, I'd say that was a 51% pass mark. That was, that was, that was just, just, so I wasn't ready for, to ask for the boat. You know what I mean? Can we use the boat? But she did ask, and then I remember for the first year he said, no, I don't think that's a good idea. It was a big boat, um, and also I was still using blocks on the pedals to drive, you know, so. <laughs> but, um, but after that, we were allowed to use it, which was a big deal. I never took it for granted. I was, I was like, and there's no way my um, children-in-law are ever going to be using my boat. But anyway, <laughs> the, the point is, but before, right, before you consider, even today, and as we read this story of a seemingly pointless miracle, it just shows us um, that something happened. And I want to remind you that something happened because somebody lent somebody a boat. Five times in this passage, which is not insignificant. Five is symbolic of the number of grace. Gift. Five times it says the boat in Matthew 14. The boat, the boat that Jesus sent out as he was wrapping up the meeting, the boat that got into a storm, the boat that Peter got out of, the boat that Peter got back into, the boat that at the end of it, from that boat, people started giving glory to God for all that he was. The boat. Whose was the boat? Someone has lent their pride and joy. Moreover, and this is more historically correct, Someone has lent their active income stream. These guys had fishing boats, and that would have been the income. That would have brought in money. That was actually their livelihood, and not just for them, but others as well. Someone has actually done that, so this trip and many of the other ministry trips could be possible. I want to meet that guy or girl. Uh, Were they asked, or was it spontaneous? Did they think a miracle could happen because of it? What did it cost them? Did they regret it? I doubt that very, very much. But this is very important to note, okay? And and you have to understand this because we're not this morning even going to attempt to tip God. We're not going to appease Him because we think that's what it means. I want you to understand that God could act alone. God could act alone, but He has chosen never to do this. Why? Because his plan always involves redeeming not only mankind, but also creation. And I just want to mess with your theology for a minute, but also things. That is God's mandate. He wants to redeem everything. In the, in the redemption of all things, when, he, when Christ comes again, everything is going to be made new from top to bottom. Everything. Okay? That's what's going to happen. And man, we long for that day. But to do that, he also, weirdly, while redeeming things, he wants to bless his people too. So it's like this tandem work. And the way he chooses to do that is through vehicles, through vessels, even things. Remember the Shunammite woman? She's going to die. 
because she's out of money, her husband's dead, and like everything has gone wrong. And uh, she calls the prophet, the prophet comes, and to rescue her, what does the prophet say? Remember, miracles require vehicles. The prophet says, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go throughout your entire neighbourhood, and I want you to ask to borrow containers. Get as many as you can. She's probably not thinking what, about what's there, but she has not got it in her mind. All she's doing is she's desperate. She's wanting to, she's, she's needing God to answer. So she goes door knocking. She comes back with all these containers. And then the prophet says, right, pour out the oil. She had a tiny little bit of oil, the Bible says, left. So she began to pour it. And supernaturally, as she poured that oil out, it went from one, like, medium size, I imagine, container, or even large, to filling the next, to filling, you know, Veronica's from down the road and Cindy from up the street. Are these very Jewish names? I don't really know. <laughs> Martha. <laughs> and she just kept, they kept filling and filling and filling, which is good news because she can now sell them to survive. But what was the limit of the miracle? The containers. Yeah. Wow. It always is. It always is your capacity. I love how some people come to church and they're like, if the service is anything over, like an hour 10, I'm out. And then meanwhile in Africa, there's people having seven-hour meetings because they're so desperate for the glory, for the Holy Spirit to tell. I'm not saying His glory can't come, but I'm saying when you limit the container, when you limit the capacity, when you've already put a cap on what God can do. What about in Mark 11 when Jesus borrowed a donkey? For the record, I don't like horses. And I don't like donkeys even more. They're weird. If you've got a pet donkey or you sell donkeys, I apologise, it's not personal. But there's something very off with them. You know, you look at them in the eyes and you think, something. is it a camel? Is it a horse? Is it a Shetland pony? It's a mixture. Anyway, um, too much detail. But it did, was prophesied through Isaiah that, um, and through others that the Messiah would ride on a colt into Jerusalem and it would be proclaimed Hosanna. The, the king has arrived. The God who saves is here. And, and when Jesus said, go to this place, it was a man's animal. Same thing, belonged to someone. And they said, the, Jesus has sent us, we just need to borrow your donkey. So they borrow it, he rides in triumphantly on Palm Sunday, and then they return it. I mean, do you think that guy was like, what, what do you need a donkey for? What do you, but when he heard of what God could do, <laughs> my gosh yeah. Jesus when he borrowed six stone jars containers huge cylinders holding many many litres each at a wedding he was just a guest at and his mum said don't worry when they ran out of wine and he borrowed them yeah. and he said fill them with water a scarcity of the day water and food was scarce in that time and then one in that moment the person who was like oh, okay I guess you can use them what happened the water was turned into wine Symbolic of God's new wine, God's new order, and God's kingdom coming. You're going to simply struggle to find any significant moment in the Bible where God moved and did it without a vessel, without a vehicle, or without a thing that He could move through. And believers have got to get their heads around this. When we start talking like this, you, there's a lot of concerns. There are huge concerns around money. A number of things can start happening because you can find yourself feeling pressured, you can feel yourself feeling aggravated. And it's actually good to mention that in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said that no one can actually serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, 
or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. What was he talking about? You cannot serve both God and money. This Greek word money is actually mammon. And the word mammon is translated into the English word money is not just notes and coins, but refers to worldly wealth. Man, we were just hearing the other day, Rebecca and I, about someone in a whole nother community whose relationship has currently been absolutely ransacked because one person in the relationship has it in their heart that the most important thing for that relationship is how much money they earn. And the other person is getting dragged along for the ride. And it's like nothing else seems to matter. What is that? I'll tell you what that is. That is the spirit of mammon. And it is a spirit. The Bible teaches that. And its objective is to control. Its spirit is trying to replace God in our lives. To be the object of our love, the object of our affection, and to be the total trust in supply. To break that spirit of mammon though, we do exactly what we do in other areas of our lives to break a foul and demonic spiritual entity. We surrender. So if you've got stuff going on in your heart that's not right or good, you come before the foot of the cross and you yield and surrender and you let God do what only God can do. Now, do you need money to eat? Yes, you do, especially at the moment. Uh, You need, there is actually an amazing thing that God has given us this ability to create wealth, but the spirit upon it. And so to understand this, and I really want to make this really, really clear. In moments like this morning, it is not what God wants from us that is important. It is what God wants for us. It is not what God is looking from us. It's what God God is wanting for us. He really, I'm going to shout it, really wants to bless you. Psalm 35, 27 says, The Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of His servants. I got that verse down in my spirit a number of years ago to say, God delights it in when I do well. Oh, you believe in the prosperity gospel? No, I just believe in the gospel. I believe in the gospel of the kingdom. I do. I just, I I have to understand. So upon the first ask, maybe the boat owner in Matthew 14 is concerned. Maybe he's got questions. Maybe he's thinking about the bottom line. But in the end, the gift is sown into what? A heavenly economy. It was lent to a king. And we are still in awe and wonder by what happened today when they hopped out and walked on water. And I want to make it very, very clear because you would have already decided in your heart, I pray you prayed and heard from the Lord, but I want to make very, very clear even to those online this morning that there are things that God does for those who lend, give and release to Him that He does not do for others. What He does do for all of us, whether we're saved or unsaved, is Matthew 5, the sun shines on the, on the just and the unjust. So He gives us all, whether we're His children or not, um, equal opportunity. But there is a number of things that He only gives to those who will invest in His economy and His kingdom to partner with Him, to advance um, His uh, purposes. And the first is that He grants you access to His economy. He grants you access to His economy. Psalm 50 says, Listen, my people, and I will speak. I'll testify against you, Israel. I am your God, your God. 
I bring no charges against you concerning your sacrifices or concerning your burnt offerings, which are ever before me. I have no need of a bull from your stall. That's what the offerings were. Or goats from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine. God says, every cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains. And I'm still questioning the creation of insects, but, and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, God said, I wouldn't even tell you. For the world is mine and all that is in it. Did you hear that? That everything that we already have belongs to who? Him. And everything that is in the world belongs to Him. Hey, there's a great verse if you want to Google it, that God actually also is interested in taking the wealth of the ungodly and giving it to the godly. I, I got that in my spirit a number of years ago thinking, right, it's equal game then. Fair game, because actually, if wealth in my hand has the purpose like it is today, it's gonna, do you know that as we give today, pastors in Zimbabwe will actually have income and be able to feed their children. I can't, I can't go there every day and provide food for them. But if, I, if God can get more income into my hand, He can get more food into people in Africa. I am very interested in collecting the wealth of the ungodly. Very. I'm on a mission to get even more. Because I told God, I said, Rebecca and I have been on a whole journey on this whole area in our lives. And I said to the Lord, listen, if you want me to give more, then you're going to need to bring in more. Because for years and years, we gave over and above. I remember one year we were on, it was pretty tight. We gave 20% of our income that one year. And it was really difficult. But do you know what? Truth be known, I was always like, and Beck was the same, but there is a line. Let's give 100%. If we need it, if God wants our house, He can have it. If God wants our vehicles, He can have it. If God wants the boat, I'll think of it. No, He can have it. <laughs> Why? Because, because there's two ways to operate in life. One is in scarcity and fear, and the other is in the flow of God's kingdom. I, and, and it's taken a journey and it's taken patience and it's taken faith. Remember this, everybody, okay? 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Whoever sows sparingly also reaps sparingly. But whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one has, should give what they've decided in their own heart. So what if you sow in a tough natural economy with inflation and things? What then? Well, um, Beck and I, you know, we've been in seasons like that. But I want you to think about Isaac this morning. Isaac in Genesis 26, God, God told him to stay in that place and build his life. Now, interestingly, there was a huge famine going on. And in a famine, crops will naturally fail. But the Bible says that because God blessed him, listen to this, Isaac reaped a hundredfold on what he sowed. He defied the natural order because he followed the voice of God. I've heard of people anointing with anointing oil the grass in their farms in a drought. And out of nowhere, those grass, that grass was greener and grew longer. I've heard, it, I've heard a testimony of it. Because there is an economy that's beyond this place. But you've got to learn how to access it. You actually have to learn how to tap into it. 
So this is a good reminder that God is able to bless us even in a tight economy. God is able to bless us wherever His economy flows. God is able to make our boundaries plentiful. How? By operating in His kingdom. And that, and that is learning how to sow. And then secondly, beautifully, I just want to remind everybody what the pin number to God's account is. It still is faith. Now, we don't have time to talk about the different kinds of faith we can operate in. There is believing faith. There is staying faith. There is indignant faith. There is trusting faith. When we give to God today, I want to make sure that when we come with this offering, we don't tip God and then forget about it. We are sowing seed that is not only going to have a practical impact, but I want you to grab hold of faith and expect a harvest. If you do not do that, you could miss out on something very supernatural that's going to take place in your life. Beck and I were talking about this offering and praying together, and we were reminded of how far God had brought us. And God has done a number of things just in the last few years that have been quite extraordinary. So she gave me, um, she, she actually told me that a number of kios ago, and we are just talking about this, that she had said um, to God, look, we've got a heart to give, we're going to give. But she said to the Lord, you've got to come through for us because I see other people being blessed and having the ability to do X, Y, and Z. And so we're not going to stop giving, but God, I want to see that Dynamic. What was she doing? Rebecca was putting a demand on her faith. And I want to say this, that this is actually what I want for my kids for sure. I'm pretty sure you do as well. And this is what we want for our own lives. But we actually have to come to this place to actually build our faith. We've got to get God's promise in really firmly in our life. So here's a couple of scriptures. Hebrews 11, 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. And listen to this. And He's a rewarder. A rewarder. How would a heavenly king reward those who seek Him? Well, you think about it. The blessing of the Lord makes a man rich and He adds no sorrow to it. Proverbs 10, 22. That one can go on your fridge this week. The blessing of the Lord. You know, I, I'm grateful because it's not just financial blessing I'm looking for. We have been blessed our family line, not only because of Rebecca's parents, my parents, my grandparents, her grandparents, right down the lineage, and our generation will be blessed as well. But there is actually a blessing that causes people to prosper. Come on. The generous man will prosper, Proverbs 11.25. Did you hear that? Generosity causes your life to prosper. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. He will direct your steps. Trust, trusting faith. As I trust you, God, in the principles of your Word and your economy, and it's it's going to unlock, it's going to unlock, Lord God, something wonderful. I know you didn't come to hear all this because you just decided in your heart already what you wanted to do. But I had to bring you this Word because there is a great reward. There is a mighty reward about to be released. And finally, remember this. Anything we give to God is technically lent, not lost. Now, I just want to um, put a disclaimer. I'm not going to be asking for this money back uh, from the church as, uh, with interest. Uh, I just, just want to make it really clear. I'm talking about a spiritual philosophy. It becomes a seed which plants in good soil and begins to accomplish things that go beyond just us. Like all those young people at Shine, who hear the message of their value and worth and identity, we are going to see, we're going to see incredible harvest from them hearing that word. How does it get out? 
we, we as a church, we provide a, a, ba- a basis, a, a, an amount of finance to make that happen. Okay, how, how about this work in feeding people? What about City this morning? Do you know that in City, this whole weeks of leading, they've been talking about the potential of buying their own building in town. So today, I, I stood before them like four weeks ago and I said, hey, there might be someone here with 10 properties and you want to sell one so we can find one. We've been around three properties already in town. We've been, haven't quite found the thing we want to really believe for. I just want to encourage some people here, you know, New Zealand Post, when we built that building, that, po- that building over there is our building and we lease it to them. Since it was built to valuation, it's increased just under $3 million since we built it, which has given our church the capacity it's obviously not cash, but it's given us the capacity to be able to do more. Right as we speak, the building in Wellington is about has actually now come onto our ledger, and we were prophesied by Michael Maiden that we would build one, get one. That he said that's what's going to happen. So we built one, and then one was given to Annisbrook in Wellington. And what that's done is increased our capacity so that when the time comes and we need another building for another group of people, another church, yep. and the work of the Lord to go forward, we're going to have the capacity to do it. So that's super, super, super encouraging. God has been so good to us. But listen to what Luke 18 says. says, Assuredly, I tell you, Jesus speaking, there's no one who's left house or parents or brothers or wife or children. Well, can I... I don't want to be heresy, speak heresy, but I want to add maybe your clothing budget or something else you're going to do. (laughs) I'll stop there. For the sake of the kingdom, who will not receive many times more in this present time, and we're not even aware yet of the age to come. Jesus is saying, even in the age to come, what we sow here is already... Banking up and bringing a return there. It'd be a horrible thing as a minister of the gospel to not tell you that. That ever you came to that day in eternity and thought, shivers. It's Lent, not lost. For God is the one who provides seed to the sower and bread to eat. In the same way, He will provide, listen to this promise, He will provide and increase your resources and produce a great harvest of generosity in you. And that's our confidence today. And all along this journey, we've encouraged you to pray, to actually ask God. Because it says in 2 Corinthians 9, each man should, or woman, human being, should give what they've decided in their heart to give. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion. We don't want to manipulate. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good. We've got some good work to do here this morning and we're going to abound in it and you'll keep on abounding in Jesus' name. Finally, let me stir each of you, regardless of what is given today, regardless of the amount. You know, when we started giving, um, Rebecca had to tell me about tithing. I was like, we were, I got pneumonia. We were on not very much. Her parents were dropping off food parcels to us and this was how it was for how long? Six months or a year. It was a very, very difficult time. And I said to Rebecca, she said, oh man, um, this, you know, this is the first year of marriage and there's no money for that, no money for this. And I said, well, okay, well, what can we do? And she said, I don't know. I said, what about the money we give to church? And now I was 18 years old. We just got married. And um, she looked at me in the eye and she said, we are not touching that. 
She said, we cannot afford not to give. And so we ate porridge. It was a one sentence got me a revelation that anything that I give to God is lent. There's a return coming on it. I give freely, but that it's not it's not lost. And I, I just want to declare the faithfulness of God. Whatever happens today, whether you give or not, you know, I, I only want to encourage those who really in their heart they you know just have this this in their heart. Any amount. Well, that, I think we did the building. This building fund was the year after. Was it the same year, was it? And we gave over and above for that. And it was modest. But at that time, it was sacrificial in proportion. So God is not God does not set us one off against the other. He just asks us, what is in your heart to do? And, and you know, it, it was very modest. And praise God through the journey of life and through what He's done and opened up. We've been able to see more and more and more. But it's always been the heart, eh? And I want to encourage you, that song we sung, the team led us in, Here I Am to Worship. All of this just reflects the person of Jesus. It actually said in that song, all for love's sake became poor. And that out of his poverty, we might become rich in every way. But I just think today there's a great opportunity, huge opportunity to be generous and to sow into the kingdom. So like I said at the start, miracles require vehicles. And that's what we're going to do this week. We trust you enjoyed this message. And if you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch. You can either visit our website or email us at info at annasbrook.co.nz.